0: Good morning, Antioch Dallas. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. And man, what a what a rich time that we've had so far this morning, uh, being in the presence of the Lord. And uh, I don't know about you, but man, that that uh, time of worship just ministered to me, Uh, just allowing the spirit of God just to wash over me and to minister and to encourage and to. Uh, Man, I just love being in the house of the Lord, worshiping the Lord with the Lord's people uh, and and just doing it together. They're just something that the Lord does whenever the people of God just gather together. Amen. All right. Hey, uh, before we move on and before we jump into our scripture, I would like to ask John and Erica Polino, Jared and Amanda Coulter, Jobrina Perez and Marshall Beard to please all come up here uh, up on this stage. Everybody give them a hand. Awesome. Yeah. Y'all come over here and just stand stand next to me. Uh, you may be wondering why it is that I'm calling these individuals up. Well, uh, let me explain Step in the light. Don't stand in the shadows over there. You know, <laughs> there's some more space over here on this side. There you go. Um, yeah, I know Amanda is probably with the worship team back there, but uh, will will uh, Amanda is married to Jared over here, so. Jared, will represent her, Uh, Donnie Tapey, uh, who this morning uh, is unable to be with us because he uh, got COVID on, uh, yeah, got COVID, called me on Friday and says, I can't preach, brother. Can you do it? And I said, yes. (laughs) So, uh, but Donnie Tapey and uh, Macy McLean, who is our uh, kids and elementary school director, uh, they've been working really hard just over the summer and uh, to be able to launch. Are you ready for this? Our student ministry at Antioch Dallas. Now, the reason why that's a big deal is because uh, for those of you, I mean, you, for those of you that have been a part of our church for some time, know that the majority of our kids are all really just kind of in elementary school uh, or pre preschool or not even in school. I mean, we have a pretty young. Uh, group of kids that are with us. However, we are recognizing that, hey, they're growing up and we are wanting to start uh, doing what we need to do in order to till the ground so that we can start planting seeds now as so that as they continue to grow, those that are coming up and are growing are now going to be able to uh, step into an environment where they're going to be ministered to at their age level and no longer with kids because you know how they get Uh, They're no longer kids. They feel like they're adults, but yet not too old. So all that to say, these individuals up here have all said yes. And so thank you so much to you guys. I know uh, Donnie and Macy in particular had just mentioned to me that you guys were just ecstatic about it. Uh, let Let me say this about them. None of them. Uh, said yes immediately. And so what that means is, is not that they were apprehensive about it, is that these individuals right here took it so seriously that they took it before the Lord and they said, Lord, we want to do what you want us to do. Have you called us in this way? And I trust every single one of you. And I know that there's been a process that they have gone through with Donnie and with Macy to be able to say yes, uh, to to be able to step in into student ministry. So that is something to celebrate. Okay. So here's, here's what's going to happen. Uh, Today, after service, uh, they are going to be in the lobby for, for you parents who have kids in middle school or high school, uh, so, just so that you can meet them. They can introduce themselves to you and you can introduce yourself to them. And then at 12, at 12 o'clock, uh, there's also going to be a lunch with the students here. You sh- Parents, you should have received a notification. And if you didn't, uh, let one of them know and just know that you're going to be bringing your kid here for lunch. OK, <laughs> and so uh, and then on Tuesday night. Uh, this Tuesday night, there's going to be just a specific service that is for them uh, that they're going to have to be able to minister to those uh, to middle school and high school. And we're, we're considering fifth through 12th grade. And don't worry, they'll start out together, but then we'll break them up into into separate times so that they can be ministered to directly. Okay. And so with that, what I would like for you to do is just extend your hand forward and we're just going to pray for them. Yes. All right. Uh, So, Lord, we just pray uh, for uh, Jared and Amanda Coulter. We pray for John and Erica Polino. We pray for Jabrina, and we pray for Marshall. Lord, I thank you for how you have gifted them, for how you have wired them. I thank you for how you have called them, and I thank you for their yes. And that, Lord, in this time and in this season that we're entering into into the fall, that they would be individuals who would proclaim your word boldly, that would love students uh, in the way that you love them and that they uh, would would seek, Lord, to enter into those spaces that sometimes can be difficult even for us as parents to be able to enter in. But, Lord, I just pray that you would, uh, uh, Lord, just pour out your spirit over them, that you would anoint them and that, Lord, in this season, in this time, that there would be many wonderful testimonies testimonies of young people coming to know you now in this age, uh, Lord, and that we could hear testimonies later on in life that it was because of the investment that they have put in in their lives that that they are serving you. And so, Lord, we just pray that and may may much fruit come of it. And it's in Jesus name that we pray. Amen. Hey, let's give him a hand. Say thank you. Thank you so much, guys. We love you. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, they're awesome. Uh, if you don't know them, you, you should get to know them and invite them over for, for dinner, uh, for lunch or whatever that is, whatever you want to. I'm, I'm sure they'll say yes, because they are amazing people. All right. So uh, we last week started a, a new series called uh, Developing Resilience. And part of this series is that uh, we are going to be, be going through or going through the book of Hebrews. where We're talking about how to build resilience in this season. Uh, We've been through some difficult times and continue to go through some difficult times, and I believe that it is uh, important for us and and Pastor Zach also believed it is important for us to be able to enter in as a church and go through the book of Hebrews to uh, talk about how to build resilience. And if you remember from last week, uh, just a quick recap, Hebrews was written during a time of great persecution it was written during uh, where during a time where uh, it was easier for you to deny Christ than for you to live for him. Because for those that didn't deny Christ, they would suffer. They would be thrown in prison. um, They they would have their property uh, confiscated from them. uh, And so they had they had two choices. The first choice is to deny Christ and go back to a life of ease. Or the second choice was to boldly proclaim and live out Jesus and uh, endure these hardships. And this week, uh, last week, we, we, we went through Hebrews 1. And this week, we're going we're gonna to camp out in Hebrews 2. So if you turn your Bibles in Hebrews 2, uh, chapter 2, beginning in verse 14 through 18. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, there's a Bible in the back, in the, in the seat, somewhere around you. Um, And if you're using that Bible, it's going to be page 968. If you don't have a Bible, that is our gift to you and you can take it uh, because we really uh, value the word of God here. We love the word of God and we want to jump into it. But before we jump in, I want to remind you. um, And for those of you that maybe are joining us for the first time today, I want to remind you of our working definition of resilience. You ready? Resilience is the spiritual strength we need to face life's trials and temptations and stay faithful to Jesus. The spiritual strength we need to face life's trials and temptations and stay faithful to Jesus. So let's read Hebrews two fourteen through 18. And it says this, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Lord, we need your help. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. If I were to title this message today, uh, it really is one word and the word is help. Okay. Help. Uh, and the reason why uh, we're, we're going to be talking through this and, and, and the reason why I titled it this is because um, last week we talked about developing resilience by seeing Jesus and paying attention to Jesus. Right. And so we saw who Jesus was and then we paid attention to Jesus because that's what the writer of Hebrews would say. And we ended with the challenge to spend the rest of this week. And I don't know about you, but I did this. We ended with the challenge to spend the rest of this week um, uh, looking at Hebrews 1 and trying to fill in the blank. And the blank was this. Jesus is blank. How many of you did that this week? Show of hands. Let's hold each other accountable here. All right. (laughs) If you didn't do that, I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, and if you remember from last week's sermon, for me personally, this is something that, um, uh, that, that I do periodically, especially whenever there are hardships going on in my life, and especially whenever I'm trying to drift away from what the Lord has called me to do. And for me, the way that I filled in this blank was Jesus is better. And I remind it. I continually just remind myself of saying Jesus is better. That, therefore, I don't need to go to these other things, because at the end of the day, Jesus is better. And so when we see Jesus and when we pay attention to Jesus uh, through the eyes of the writer of Hebrews, uh, what comes into sharp focus is not just who Jesus is, but what he came to do. Okay. So. Jesus, uh, uh, in in Hebrews 1 and even half of Hebrews 2, what the writer of Hebrews begins to do is that he begins to tell us about who Jesus is and what we're going to talk about today is what he came to do. But first, I want to slow down here, okay? Everyone say with me, say, I need help. Now, as you sit in that uh, I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes that makes me uncomfortable. Because one of the hardest things that, that I, uh, one of the issues that I have is to be able to say, I need help. Enneagram one, Anybody? I think I can do things if I just have my list, if I can just be able to do that. Uh, My my wife is smiling at me because she thinks that I'm in Enneagram Enneagram six, which means that I always uh, have a a worst case scenario in my head going on. And so therefore, I can't ask for help. (laughs) Okay, my friends. There you go. They're my friends that are saying yes. So all that to say that at the end of the day, what is really difficult. Thank you. What I'm trying to say here is what I'm trying (laughs) is that it's very hard for me to say I need help. And if you're in that same boat, I'm, let, let me just uh, break a truth to you. You ready? All of us need help. Uh, some of you uh, in, in this room even have, have like turned to the person, maybe nudged your husband or you nudged your friend next to you uh, because you know that maybe this has been a conversation that you guys have been having. If, if you can just ask for some help. Right. If if you just let me know where you're at, then 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 uh, or if you just if you just let me know, I'm willing to help. But it seems like you're trying to hold on. That's been a conversation in my house. And what the last 18 months have shown us is that is that we are one sickness away from needing others. It has shown us that we are one hardship away from needing one another. We are one season of stress or 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 when or, or when things are out of the ordinary and out of our control, we, we come to realize that we can't do this on our own. And as your pastor Uh, One of your pastors, I I, I often kind of look out into the crowd or whenever I'm sitting across the table or even just saying hello to you on a Sunday morning or maybe throughout the week. If we see each other, what I see are faces of maybe even dismay. I see faces of fearfulness. How are you doing? I'm doing well. (laughs) You're laughing because you know what I'm saying. You're trying to hold it in and you're trying to maybe not, not in a negative way. But, but it, like I said, it's really hard for us to come and say we need help. And, and, and especially uh, the, the look on our faces is one where we don't know what's going on and, and we can't make sense of it. And so because we can't make sense of it, it's really difficult to, uh, for us to really express how it is that we really feel and, and, and that we need help. And the truth is, is not, this truth is not relegated to just a pandemic. This has been something that, it's been an age-old cycle that we've walked through, especially when there is hardship. When the circumstances that call us to, that, that, that call us to question whether God is actually for us. We've been in this cycle, guys. The the, the church has been going through this. The book of Hebrews is telling us you are going to endure hardship. It's not relegated to the last 18 months. It's gone beyond that. It's gone before that. And it's going to come and it's going to continue to come. I remember um, just as uh, uh, basically year two of our marriage, I remember that uh, for me, I was just Working so hard to try to hold things together. Our marriage wasn't doing well. Um, uh, my my mother in law was just going through, was battling cancer. And um, y- we, we were two years into marriage, so we're still trying to figure out what it means to be married and trying to trying to get to know one another. And what does that look like? And, and, and one morning I remember waking up one day and then all of a sudden waking up and feeling like my heart was just going to come out of my chest. And what immediately came into my mind was I'm going to die. I remember that, that the weeks that followed, there were weeks where I would call Lauren and I would say, I'm paralyzed with fear. And she would come home and she would find me on the floor of our living room, just crying my eyes out because the only thing that I could think of is God has abandoned me. Uh, he cannot help me and I'm going to die. I ended up in the hospital, in the emergency room, because I thought I was, again, having a heart attack, and I'm in there, and the doctor, uh, the cardiologist comes in, does an echocardiogram, and he says, I don't know why you're in here, but you're fine. And even after that, I walked away thinking, there's something wrong with me. I'm feeling this and I had never felt this, whatever it was, and then later came to realize this is anxiety. And the reason why I was having anxiety is because I decided to no longer trust that God has me. we fall, uh, the main reason why we remain in this state, I would contend, is because we have paid more attention to our circumstances than who Jesus is and what he has accomplished. You see, Hebrews 2, like we read uh, last week, Hebrews 2 begins with this exhortation where it says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. And so with that, what happens is, is whenever we begin to drift away, we don't begin to pay close attention to Jesus and we fall into sins of unbelief and doubt where we hear the echoes of what Satan said to Adam and Eve in the garden where he said, did God really say? And so what happens is that we enter into unbelief and, and, and we, we enter into doubt and we drift into distrust and, and we, we go into self motivation and self will, which then leads us, uh, it then breeds the fear of death. Why? Because we don't trust God that He is able to work on our behalf. We begin trusting in ourselves and our possessions and or or others more than what we trust in God. And let me say this, people of God. We weren't meant to carry that. This morning, I'm sitting here on the front row because this morning I just heard just different different things of, of many of you that are in this room where we're having to pray and where you're contending and you're maybe going through a very difficult time in your family and in your life. And at the end of the day, I'm sitting there in the front row singing worship to the Lord and saying there is power in the name of Jesus and realizing in that moment, I can't carry this. We can't carry the weight of this world because if we do, then we fall into unbelief because then we start realizing that if I can't do it, then who can? And our eyes begin to drift. And let me say this, when they begin to drift, then we begin to fear death because we don't trust God that he's able and we begin trusting in ourselves. And when we become ensnared in this, then we are slaves because that's exactly where Satan wants you. That's exactly where the enemy wants to have you. Uh, he, wants you to make, he wants to make you believe that, uh, that, that you need greed to secure wealth and provision in an attempt to subdue our fears of the future or of the unknowns. He attempts to make us believe that you need possessions to secure comfort and safety to alleviate your worries or distract you from your own guilt and the emptiness that you feel. He attempts you to believe that you need success in order to secure your value in the face of emptiness or that you need relationships to secure your worth in the face of meaninglessness. He tries to make you believe that you need power to secure a sense of security and control in the face of life's uncertainties and our utter lack of real control. Or he tries to make you believe that you need religion or legalism in an attempt to secure your value by proving your worth against your own guilt and failure. And ultimately, what he's wanting you to do is that he's wanting you to not believe and trust God is able to help you. So we find ourselves in anxiety and in fear because we do not allow ourselves to trust God. We drift because we're not paying careful attention to him. But now the good news. Hebrews 2 uh, beginning in verse 14 is good news for us because what we have noticed uh, last week is that we, we saw Jesus and we began to pay attention to Jesus. So we, so we saw who he was and we paid attention because we want to lean into who Jesus is so that we do not drift away. And this is what Jesus came to do. Are you ready? First, he became like us. Look at verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, for this reason, he had to be made like them. So what what that means is that by becoming like us, he dispels this lie that we are alone. We tend to fall into a lie that says, I am alone and therefore uh, I I, I need to try to rely on other things. But Jesus has come and he has become like us. And as a matter of fact, in verse 10, the Bible calls him or the writer of Hebrews calls them the pioneer of their salvation. What does that mean? That he became so much so like us that he is not not just with you, but he has gone before you. And not only that, but then in verse 18, he says, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. What does that mean? It means that Jesus now is able to know what you are going through. Later on in Hebrews chapter four, uh, the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. And so Jesus came to help us by becoming like us. It's great news. Number two, he came, he, he overcame the devil. Now, I don't know about you, but for verse 14, when it says that, that since the children have flesh and blood and he too shared in the humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. You see, the writer of Hebrews is not missing around here. He's not trying to tell you that that there's power or there's this uh, there's this weird thing that Jesus is trying to do. No, what he he goes to the root and he immediately identifies that all of us are in a spiritual battle, and in this spiritual battle battle, Jesus has come out victorious. And if our fight is spiritual, then Jesus has gone before us, not just to be like us, but also to be uh, our savior. And in our savior, Jesus has broken the power of the devil. You see, the reason why that's important is because scripture would tell us that Satan is called the accuser. And that he's consistently in front of God day and night, as Revelation would say, day and night. He's before God and he's accusing you and he's trying to convince god god they're not worth it he the scripture would say that he's a roaring lion seeking whom he, he may devour or that he's only come to steal steal kill and destroy and destroy that is his agenda. That is his motive. Scripture doesn't uh, go around the bush and say, well, maybe. No, no, no. It calls him out. And the reason why it calls him out is because when we recognize that the, that the devil is after us. He's after the children of God. He's after those that uh, are putting their trust in God. Uh, Some of you, this kind of feels uncomfortable because at the end of the day, in our enlightened Western mind, a lot of times we try to explain the things that, that are happening to us and we don't really pay attention to what is happening in the spiritual realm. But here's what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Colossians 2.15 says that he made a public spectacle of the forces of darkness on the cross and he has disarmed them of their powers. He, uh, uh, what what that means essentially is that Jesus has said, I have overcome the devil and therefore he has no place, no right, no authority on the children of God. I know I'm breaking down some strongholds in Jesus name and, and he he overcame the devil and Jesus has come specifically as scripture would tell us to destroy the works of the enemy. And so this is good news today because Jesus has not only helped us by becoming like us, but in becoming like us, he has come to overcome the devil and his power. And that's good news in this time because now we don't need to pay attention to the enemy's lies or we, or we can uncover the enemy's schemes. And what is that? That he only came to steal, kill, and destroy And then third, why did he do that? Because he came to conquer death. And verse 14, he says, so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And then verse 15 and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You see, guys, nothing comes more to the top of mind uh, than when we recognize our own frailty and the eventuality of death. The reason why we fear death is because we can't control it. We it is mostly unexpected and apart from Jesus, it is not understood. You see, unbelievers have no hope for the future. They they could only they can only live for the present. And at best, without Jesus, a good man might hope to live in the minds of those who cherished his memory. But Jesus has conquered death by resurrecting. And upon resurrection, he gave us eternal life. And this is why I say we must live unto resurrection, guys. We we must live because while we're on this earth, we live to declare that Jesus has set us free from slavery. That when he rose on the third day, that means that our future is secured in him. And what, was, what the enemy meant for death and annihilation and destruction, Jesus turned that around by saying, I am now giving you eternal life life. I think that's powerful because what he took, what was once a terrifying and shattering prospect and he provided life. He provided life. And we who trust Jesus don't fear death because it means being present with the Lord. Paul would say it this way that if we live we live for the Lord if we die we die for the Lord so whether we live or die we belong to the Lord and for this reason Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both dead of both the dead and the living Then lastly he helps because he delivered us from sin look at verse 17 again Verse 17, he says, for this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Look at me, church. Jesus is not after your sin. Jesus is after your heart. So let me, let me ask you a question. And this is the question. For which sins did Jesus come to die for? Not a trick question. All of them. He came to die for all of them. That's a great. That is the answer. And so what does that mean for you and I? You Ready? It means that the cross has already outed you. You know, these little private sins that are happening, they're not private because the cross has already outed you. The goodness and the mercifulness and the grace of God has now he has come to die. And on this cross, he has made a public spectacle of the enemy of sin and of death. And he has disarmed the power because he has now put them on public display. And he has said, you see, these sins canceled. And so he has delivered us from sin. He entered into our mess. And, and then look at, the, and look at the verbiage of Hebrews. This is why I'm, I'm, I'm so fascinated with Jesus. Because he became human in order that he might become, ready? Watch this. Merciful and faithful. Catch that language. Underline that if you need to. Because the next time you start thinking that Jesus is casting you off because you sin, remember, he's merciful and faithful. The next time you think that you can't approach God because God, look at what I've done. He shows up and he says, I'm merciful and I'm faithful. And he has reconciled us back to life. That's the word atonement. It means that he has brought us back into face-to-face relationship with God. And because he he became like you, he is able to help you. And so we are set free from the grips of the devil, the fear of death, and the stranglehold of sin. And therefore, the the, uh, Hebrews would say that we're no longer slaves to those things. So Lauren and I were talking about this last night and, and she asked me this question. She said, Johnny, what do you how do you want our people and us to live and walk differently knowing this news? She's really helpful. And, and you know, uh, th- this is going to, uh, I don't want this to sound harsh, but here's the truth of the matter, that whenever we turn away or we start drifting away from the Lord, you know what our response should be, and this is what I'm going to encourage you. First, so how do we live differently? Number one, we repent. Because what repentance does is that it helps us recognize where it is that we are in our walk with the Lord. It helps us see, man, Lord, I have drifted so far away. And you know what, Lord? I'm sorry for not trusting you. And all repentance means, it means a turning away from sin. Turning away from the thing that you put in the place of God and you're turning towards Jesus. And you're saying, Jesus, I repent before you today. So how do we develop resilience and, and receive God's help? We receive by God's help first and foremost by repenting and recognizing our need for him. Two, we live a life of trust. We recognize that he is not after us, but instead he's, he's, he's for us. We trust him with all of our might. We love him with all of our mind, soul, strength. We, 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 we just live for him in this way because we say there's nothing that is able to shake me from your trust. And then third, we receive his help. What is it that you have to do in order for you to receive a gift? Nothing. Thank you. And here is Jesus's gift. You ready? His gift is his help. His gift is his mercy. His gift is is his grace. And and church, I know we we can probably leave here and we can probably say, man, I've heard that message before, but let this sink in deeply into your soul and into your heart and into your spirit that you may come to recognize that as you go out through this week and you're saying how do I live differently how do I build resilience in the midst of hardship and difficulty the way that we do that is that we see Jesus and we see and we pay attention to him and we see what he came to do he has come to do and we receive his help because he has gone before us So this morning, I'm, I don't know about you, but two things. I'm not just physically tired, but I'm, I'm emotionally and maybe even uh, mentally exhausted for trying to live through the season that we're in on my own, trusting in my own strength, trusting on my own plans and, the, and even the worst case scenarios that I have built up. And in a moment of surrender, I'm saying, Jesus, I need you. And that's more than just a breath prayer, that's the yearning of my heart. And so this morning, church, for those of you that are in here and you're saying, I. I don't know Jesus, but I do want to receive Jesus's help. This morning is the moment, is the day of salvation, that when I talk about repenting, it's turning away from relying on self and, and, and living in sin and saying, I want to live for Jesus. And so if that's you, I want to I wanna go ahead and ask all the staff, overseers, and uh, prayer and prophetic team, if you're here, go ahead and just come up here right now, because what I want us to do is to be able to pray with you and for you. You see, this is a moment where we have a a merciful and faithful uh, God, a a merciful and faithful high priest. And what these individuals are doing really uh, uh, up here that is they're going to help point you to Jesus. We believe that as the people of God, uh, there are gifts that the spirit of God pours out on us. And at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is trying to be attentive to what the spirit would have us pray over you for. And that's what these individuals are here for. And so if you're in here today and you say, I don't know Jesus, but I want to get to know him. uh, uh, When the worship team starts playing, I want you to come up here and let one of them know, and they will know exactly what they need to do in order for you to get to know Jesus. And then two, I think that there are some of you that are in here that you're, as you hear these things, you recognize that you have been in many ways just relying on self and and going, trying to figure out how do I get through this hardship? If if I could just hold on longer or if I could just, and what happens is, is that you've drifted away from trusting in Jesus. So if that's you this morning, that's what these individuals are up here for as well. And all they're going to do is that they're going to point you back to Jesus. They're going to pray for you for courage. They're going to pray for you so that you would turn and that you would see Jesus continually. And so church, would you stand right there where you're at? This is that holy moment. Let me say this before we keep going uh, real quick I don't want to be disruptive in this but if you have children in the in the worship ministry I mean sorry in the kids ministry and you're wanting to come up here for prayer maybe ask a spouse or a friend if they could go pick up your kid it is 1120 and I want to be kind of respectful to that ministry but don't let that distract us from being able to enter in but if you could just do that and that way uh, our kids our kids will be able to even join in and you can join in but why don't we just take a moment right now and say Lord we need you we desire you we need your help so church if that's you and you need you need someone to pray with you or before you as I've described come on up let's do it let's be bold this morning let's respond to what the spirit is wanting to do in us and through us